uh, we're jumping right into week two of our series, Have You Heard? Uh, Brittany kicked it off last week, and she kind of put out this call, uh, and it's this, this question to the generations of Winnipeg, to anyone who would listen, have you heard the heart of God? Have you heard about how much he loves you, uh, that he created you, and he wants to be in a relationship with you? Have you heard? And see, through ages, People have made up these rules and and restrictions and requirements to come to God. And for some of you, perhaps even in this room tonight, you've maybe felt pushed out of the church because you've felt that Christianity is this religion more of hurtful do's or don'ts designed to exclude and marginalize people. And if that is you, if you are here tonight and that has been your experience of church, I know I can't speak on the behalf of the whole church, but I I just want to apologize. And I just want to welcome you into this place, and I'm so thankful that you would come and spend your evening with us. See, 2,000 years ago, the Jewish people had a very similar problem. Uh, The religious elite had made these rules and regulations so much so that they began to be oppressive. Uh, In response, however, some people decided to go back to the heart of the law and try and figure out where was the heart of God in all of that? And so there was this question that was asked, what is then the greatest commandment? And 2,000 years ago, that question was answered. And that answer was, love the Lord your God with all your heart and soul and mind. And love your neighbor as yourself. Have you heard this before? Many of us have, but we so often complicate our faith and debate things amongst each other, different opinions, and we judge other people's versions of worshiping God and how we come to God and we judge other people, we gossip, we, we point out people's flaws, generalizing certain types of people and disregarding them for the way they look on the outside or the things that they might do that are different from us, all under the guise of critical thinking or taking our faith seriously. And in doing so, we lose sight of the two most important things we are called to in life, love God and love people. This is the heart of God. We are called to love everybody, always. So that's what we're going to be talking about this evening, Uh, but before you do, before we do, I just want to get into a story of a time that I'll never forget, a time back in grade six camp. It was the end of the year, okay? It was very exciting. I went to Calvin Christian School, so grade six, we graduated on to grade seven at the Collegiate, an entirely different building. We were on top of the world. And finally, at the end of the year, it was the event that we had all been waiting for. Throughout grade three, grade four, grade five, we'd heard about this event, the grade six trip to Camp Nudemek. Some of y'all know what I'm talking about. All right, yeah. There's a lot of Calvin Christian people here. That's cool. That's cool. Um, so anyways, we were pumped. So we arrived on the scene, right? And we're, me and my boys, we're ready. We're packing junk food. We're packing energy drinks. We're going to be staying up all night long, right? The teachers were going to hate us. We we're going to be canoeing. We we're going to be swimming. We we're doing archery, all those fun camp things. And so in this sardine can of a bus, we're rolling up the hills, up and down. If anyone's been out to Nunamik, you know what that's like, okay? And so we're, we're on our way. And as we finally crested over the final hill, There it was, in all of its glory, the fort. There was this amazing fort, okay? And maybe I kind of built it up in my head, but I was a grade 11 boy. Or grade 11, sorry, 
I was 11 years old, okay? I was an 11-year-old boy, and forts were cool, okay? Forts were super cool. And so there it was, glinting over the horizon, this, this camp's gigantic voyageur-style bastion with, like, complete four wooden walls and this massive tower that stretched out to the sky and looked over the surrounding area. I was like, man, I want to get in there. So that was pretty cool. Um, and so it could not get better than that, so I thought. But then, but then I was told that over the span of the weekend, we were going to be grouped into teams to compete for the Camp Nudemic Cup. And that alone was very exciting, but this was the thing. I was told that I would be put in the same team as Sarah Martinez. Oh, man, I can still picture her now. Her brown, wavy hair, her, like, multicolored braces gleaming in the sunlight. <laughs> now, if that name sounds made up, it definitely is, because I know all you Calvin kids are here, so it's a made-up name. So if your name's Sarah Martinez, I'm super sorry. It's not you that I'm talking about. Um, that's, um, so anyways, so anyways, but to grade six me, I was pumped. I, I knew I really liked this girl that I hardly knew, Sarah Martinez. So there was only one problem. I was one awkward dude. Like, anytime I tried to talk to her, the room kind of became this like hostage negotiation situation, you know? <laughs> like I was so careful with my words because I knew if I said just the wrong thing, I was done for. But this weekend, I was determined to make a change. Okay, so, and, and this is amazing. So we're put on this team together. We're on the blue team. And I mean, there was other people on the team too, but I, I can't remember who they were. And so... Throughout the weekend, I tried my hardest. I was gonna win this thing for her, right? I was gonna for sure get her attention. She was gonna fall in love with me. It was gonna be great. And as the weekend went on, I spent as much time with her as I possibly could. And to my surprise, my zealous persistence paid off. I mean, not with her, but with the competition. We ended up in a last minute game turnaround. We kind of took that team to victory. And I knew this was my chance. I knew I had laid the groundwork. I'd kind of like awkwardly placed myself in every social, social situation that she was in, whether she knew it or not, you know? And, and for sure now, she had noticed how amazing I was with my toothpick physique standing next to her as I <laughs> accepted the trophy with her. And again, there was other people on the team, but they don't matter. So, um, so I knew it was time. It was just past sundown. And there was this like faint glow over the horizon. And I had heard that Sarah and a few of my friends were at the fort hanging out on top of the tower. And so I briskly walked over, you know, the cool breeze coming off the lake, kind of playing on my back. And there was this buzz of excitement in the air. My heart was like racing. And so I had to like slow myself down, walking up the wooden rampart of the fort. And, and then I got to the tower, kind of looming above me. And I could see the ladder all the way up and the trap door above me. I could hear voices, laughter. My heart was like, again, pounding. As I, hand over hand, made it my way up to the top of the ladder, and I kind of poked the trap door open and kind of gave a slight knock, just adrenaline surging through my veins. And I heard someone whisper, who is it? And someone said, oh, it's, it's John. And then someone opened the door. It was Sarah. My eyes met hers. 
And before I could say a word, her face dropped. Oh, she said, as if she was expecting somebody else. You can't be here, she said. My heart stopped. My words kind of just jumbled, fell out of my mouth, and I, I tried to apologize for my intrusion, and I, I left, and the door slammed above me, and I made my way down as my stomach plunged into my chest as if it was falling upwards, and everything was weird, and, and as I reached the ground, the cold wind that was once full of energy felt frigid and cruel. I walked slowly down the ramp. I was crushed. How could I have been so wrong? What was wrong with me? Why didn't they want me? My whole body felt heavy as I walked away alone into the darkness. Now, that was grade six. I'm married now. <laughs> so, sorry, Sarah. Um, what I didn't know is she didn't want me up there because they were talking about her crush and it definitely wasn't me, so, you know, that's all good. Um, and now this is a silly story uh, about a grade six crush, but I tell it because I wanted to address a feeling. It was a feeling that was very real for me in that moment, but it can be very real and very serious for us even today. That feeling is rejection, isolation, loneliness, being pushed away, being to made feel stupid or useless, unloved. This, in our day and age now, as we have grown up, this can be a very serious thing. It's not a silly grade six crush anymore. It's maybe a real relationship, a friendship, family members that have been torn apart, relationships destroyed. And it has the power to crush us. Why? Because as human beings, we've all been designed to be loved and to love, to give and receive love from our fellow human beings. We thrive when we feel loved and can love fully. See, the God that we worship, the God who created us, who designed us, he designed us to love. Last week, Brittany kind of started off our series by talking about how society, we are so obsessed with love because God is obsessed with love, because God is love. And here is something that I found when I was kind of studying for this. At the beginning of time, in Genesis 1, God said, let us design mankind in our image. See, we were not designed in the image of one single person, but a three-person Trinitarian God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. He said, let us make man in our image. When we say God is love, we mean that he always was and always will be. It is his very essence since before the beginning of time. See, God didn't need to create something to love, nor did he need to create us so that he could be loved. God wasn't lonely. He already had this perfect relationship within his own self, three persons in this perfect unity with one another. And in this, his love was so great that he desired to share it with someone else. And so he created us so that we too might experience the amazing experience of perfect relational love. So we were made in his image, a community, just like him, a perfect church where we too would have perfect love, perfect unity amongst one another in the exact same way that God already did. And so God loved his people. 
He already had love. He was fully satisfied, but he chose to love something, someone, that was entirely different from him, that was so vastly other, that is, us. And though he knew full well that we would sometimes be difficult to love, do you see where I'm going here? The ultimate expression of love is not to love somebody who is like you, who is always easy, but in the same way that God loved us and desired to create us, ultimate love is to love that which is different. True love loves the unlovable, the tough case, the one who is different in every way, who we don't agree with. This was God's desire for our church, and it was beautiful. And yet, in our freedom, human beings strayed away from God's will, strayed away from God's desire for his perfect community, and in our sin, darkness entered the world, and broken relationships became commonplace. Love became limited, indifference and hatred took over the human heart. Our differences that were once beautiful now came to divide us. But God, who foresaw this, already had a plan, and he sent his son Jesus to bring us back into his love, to remodel what it was like to have true community, true love, living in the image of God, and what that looked like. So, this evening, I want to explore the heart of God. I want to see what his desire is for his people. And I want to call us back into this perfect community that God ultimately designed us for, a community he always intended for us to be a part of, the kingdom of God, a kingdom of love. And so to do that, I want to open uh, our Bibles up with uh, you this morning, or this evening, <laughs> goodness. Um, and I want to call us um, to go into Luke chapter 19, in this book, this is a story of God's desire for his people. It's a story of his sacrifice to bring us back. It's a story about a God who will stop at nothing to bring back the lost, the broken, and the hurting into his family. So tonight, I want to focus on the life of Jesus uh, during his time here on earth, his revolutionary demonstration of love. So yeah, if you want to join me, grab your Bibles out. If you don't have... Uh, Bible. Um, I'm not sure if there's some at the back. There might be, uh, but you can grab your phone out. It's cool to have your phone in church. It's all good. Get your app going. Um, and so we're going to be in Luke, Luke chapter 19. Uh, we like to call him Dr. Luke because he was a doctor. He also wrote the book of Acts. Um, and as a doctor, he had this amazing attention for detail. And so as the early church began to grow and expand, he wrote down everything that he saw with like extreme precision and and so he kind of recorded the early church and as it expanded. So we're going to be right in uh, verse 1. Uh, so if you want to join me, we're going to be right in it here. Luke chapter 19, verse 1. So Jesus entered Jericho, and he was passing through. A man was there by the name of Zacchaeus. He was the chief tax collector and was wealthy. Okay, so I'm just going to stop here for a second. Some of you know this context. Um, but as a tax collector, Zacchaeus would have been hated, like absolutely hated by the people around him. Um, not only did he work for the Roman Empire, which was this like military regime which took over the Jewish people's country, um, he also would have often cheated people out of more money than they owed and kept it for himself. So because of this, he was not only hated, but he was ostracized. And nobody wanted to be near him. The, the Jewish leaders actually, the, the religious leaders would have said, that he was unclean and sinful. 
And so because of that, and I think sometimes we miss this, he actually wouldn't have been allowed in the temple to worship. To the Jewish people, he would have actually been outside of God's love. He would have been barred from worship, and they would have thought that he was, like, unlovable. And so this man, who is this tax collector, he gained all this money. He wasn't allowed to come to God, so the Jewish people thought. And so he would have walked around day in, day out, with people absolutely hating him. They would, they would avoid him at all costs, and they would, they would sneer at him. They would say things as he walked by. This man would have known he was hated. He would have known it. And yet, and yet, this man who is apparently far from God, he, it says right here, he wanted to see who Jesus was. But because he was short, he couldn't see over the crowd. So he ran ahead and climbed a sycamore fig tree to see him since Jesus was coming that way. When Jesus reached the spot, he stopped. He looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, come down immediately. I must stay at your house today. At that moment, the crowd would have gone silent. See, for a rabbi of such stature, to invite himself over to his house would have been unheard of. It was a great honor to just come into his house. Zacchaeus would have known that, and he would have been so pumped. And so you see here, it says he came down at once, and he welcomed Jesus gladly. And all the people saw this, and they began to mutter. They were probably furious, and they were probably saying all sorts of things about how, like, who Zacchaeus was. And they said, he has gone to be a guest of a sinner. But here we see Zacchaeus' heart. He, he already, it says here, but Zacchaeus stood up and said to the Lord, look, Lord, here I have now, here now I give half of my possessions to the poor. And if I have cheated anybody out of anything, I will pay them back four times the amount. Already with Jesus' actions, Zacchaeus' heart is starting to turn. This love that Jesus had for him started to transform his very being right there in that moment. And Jesus then said to him, today salvation has come to this house because this man too is a son of Abraham. For the son of man came to seek and save the lost. The son of man came to seek and save the lost. The people that we have regarded as untouchable, as unreachable, that we often blame for their condition, that all we see is the, the bad things that we judge them for on the outside. The people that we know it's their choice to be where they're at, that Jesus came to seek the lost. And he said to this man that he was a son of Abraham. Now this would have driven the Jewish people crazy. Because to say that, a son of Abraham meant he was fully a son of the line of Abraham. He was a Jew. He was included. He was loved. He was part of God's family. And so this is what Jesus does. In a world full of people who are all too ready to blame us for our circumstance, Jesus sees our pain. In a world where people are all too quick to point out our problems, Jesus sees our potential. Our God desires, no matter what, to have you in his family. And some of you need to hear that tonight. Just like Zacchaeus, he was in this situation that he had placed himself in. He, he was a tax collector. He wanted the money. He wanted to do this to gain money, right? It was his fault that he was in this situation. But that doesn't matter to God. It doesn't matter where we're at. It 
doesn't matter where you've been. It doesn't matter your present or past circumstance. God desires to be with you. We are not defined by those things. We're defined exclusively by the love that God has for us. This was his example. This was his model for the church. The church was for all people. And before he left this world, Jesus had this final command to those who claimed to follow him. He said this in John 15, verse 12. My command to you is this. Love one another as I have loved you. Jesus. Jesus, this, this wonderful God who, who became man, he came down to earth, was despised by men, but raised up his church, believers, teaching them the way of love, and then to finalize his love for them, he chose to suffer great pain, was crucified, died, and was buried, but it did not end there. He rose from the grave, conquered sin and death, and now calls everyone who is hurt and broken and, and lonely into his family of love to participate in his mission to bring people back. True love, true love will always cost us something. True love may even cost us everything, but this kind of love can change the world. This kind of love can save lives because there are so many broken people out there who are dying every day because they do not feel loved. And it is breaking God's heart. Unfortunately, as I look around this room right now, I see people who I know are suffering. People who this hasn't been their experience of church. For some people, we have trouble connecting with others and maybe you don't have that advantageous, outgrowing personality and perhaps you feel judged from your past or even current lifestyle. Some of us have trouble making friends. Some of us have experienced broken relationships with believers within the church that have maybe caused us to give up on church altogether. For a group of people who claims to be so rooted in love and the unity of God, as we are here tonight praising God, we love worship, we love how the lyrics of the new Hillsong album hit us, we love hanging out with our friends on a Sunday night, we love going for food afterwards, but do we love each other? Do we include do we invite that person within our community who has not yet found connection within our inner circles into these cliques that ever so readily but ever so wrongly seem to be forming in the church? Do we go out of our way and self-sacrifice to mend and heal broken relationships within our community even when you feel that other person is in the wrong? Do you approach them with love and humility? As human beings, we have this unique ability to dissociate the people around us from people who have real feelings and real lives and real insecurities, who have passions and struggles, who like us have this darkness within us that we are trying to fight but so often failing to do so, failing to love and to be loved. First John 4 says this, Beloved, let us love one another. For love is from God, and whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. Anyone who does not love does not know God, because God is love. As I read this verse again this week, it hit my heart as I thought of all the times that I'd fallen short of this command. And yet, somehow we hear this and we can quickly dismiss it because we are so ready to hide behind the image that we have set up for ourselves where we love people just enough 
where we are friendly to somebody new just enough and long enough, but inside we just can't wait to get out of that conversation. And, and we are kind enough to a group of people very quickly, but then we become so quickly busy with our own friend groups. But ignore the hard to love conscious free because we are loving our friends. True love is so much more. And, and what we've done is we've kind of tried to pass off true love as, as tolerance. It, it's, it's loving from a distance. It's simply putting up with somebody, and I don't think Jesus would have had any part of it. True love is so much greater than that. In his letter to the Romans, chapter 12, the Apostle Paul wrote this, let love be genuine. Hate what is evil. Hold fast to what is good. Love one another with brotherly affection and outdo one another with showing honor. I love that last piece. Outdo one another with showing honor. Real love is not just a feeling, but it's an action. It's intentional, and even as I read scripture, it seems competitive to outdo one another with love, seeking unity at all costs, no matter what, no matter the sacrifice it is to our social standing, no matter what it does to make us feel uncomfortable, we love one another. We outdo one another with showing honor. That is God's desire for his church. And yet it can be so simple. And I think so often we miss it. Many, many years ago, I, um, there was this guy. And I just hated him. I, I did not like him at all. He was obnoxious. He always had to be the center of attention. He always was making jokes at other people's expense. He, he was so full of himself. And me and my friends, we, we loved to hate him. All along, I was leading a Bible study for guys. And somehow I was doing this at the same time. And, and I just kept doing that until one day he showed up. He showed up at this group. And uh, uh, that night I kind of shared a story and, and talked about some things. And, and I don't even remember what it was. But I remember after that, it kind of happened that... Um, he was without a ride, and so he needed a ride home. And I was kind of in this situation where I was the only one to give him a ride home, so I had to give this guy a ride home. And he, he was totally clueless about the way I felt about him, I guess, because he turned to me and he said, man, I really appreciate what you said tonight. I really appreciate that you opened up and that you shared those things because, man, I've been struggling. I've been hurting. And I know I put on this, this show, I, I put on this face, but it's because I'm so, so deeply insecure and I don't think that anybody likes me. And so I try and like get people's attention with this desperate desire to be loved, this desperate desire to be noticed. And in that moment, I felt this guilt, but I also felt the walls of my own heart falling down. They were just falling down. And this, this moment, I, I began to love this brother. I saw him as Truly, God saw him as a, as a brother in Christ, as somebody who God's spirit was also working on his heart and his flaws in the same way that God was working on my own flaws. And in that moment, we became brothers because that is what love does. Love transforms hard hearts. And it can just be so simple as listening to somebody's story. And now it doesn't happen immediately. Not everyone just opens up like that. But to be like Jesus is to be the person that sticks around long enough and who digs deep enough to find a person's heart. This is our call, to love 
one another. Romans 10, verse 14 and 15 says this. Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. How then will they call on him, him in whom they have not believed? And how will they believe in him in whom they have never heard? And how will they hear without somebody preaching? And how are they to preach unless they have been sent? Brothers and sisters, we have been sent. And on his last night on earth, Jesus gave this final command. He said, a new command I give to you, love one another as I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. See, the city of Winnipeg will know us by our love. The nation of Canada will know us by our love. The people of this world will know us by our love. And by this demonstration of love, they will know our God. And if you are here tonight, and if you don't know this God, our Savior Jesus, let me please be the first and hopefully not the last to tell you about him. I'm so glad you're here. We, we want to get to know you. And so please, 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 if, if that is you, I'm talking to you. Come and see me afterwards. I want to tell you about him. I'd love to chat with you. I'd love to hear your story and maybe share a little bit of mine. And if you are here tonight and you are hurting, if you are broken and if you are lonely or if you are just generally exhausted with what life has put you through, I just want to welcome you to this community. Welcome to the Ascent. But more importantly, welcome to God's church. As you already know, we're not perfect, but our God is. And his desire is for every single person in this room to know and feel love, to find community, and to find healing and wholeness, to find transformation in broken and dark places. And we would love to have you join us as we do our best to figure out this messy thing we call Dear Heavenly Father, we just come before you now with this desire to connect with you. In our brokenness, we, we desire to connect and feel loved. We desire to be a part of your family, God, that you would come and enter our hearts, Lord, that you would renew us, that you would heal us of all the rejection that we've felt by the world, all of the brokenness, all of the hatred, God, just heal this community, heal this city, heal the brokenness in this place, the darkness. Just wash it out with your spirit, Lord. We just pray that you would come down in power, that you would grasp a hold of people's hearts, that you would grasp a hold of those who are lonely, who are broken, who have been just tormented, Lord. In this place, I, I just pray that you would Give people the courage to take a step forward and to love extravagantly in the way that you have modeled for us through your son, Jesus, that we would sacrifice God, that we would sacrifice our own feelings, that we would sacrifice our own emotions, that we would sacrifice our social standing and the ability to look good in front of people, that we would just love so extravagantly that we show the world your heart, Lord. I pray your spirit would empower us to do these things, Lord, that you would save lives in this city, in this country, in this world, God, that you would just renew all things for your glory. In your great name, we pray these things, Jesus.
Amen.